0: the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. It is 2024. My name is Taylor. I'm so excited to be here. It has been quite a while since um, we have talked here on the podcast together. And yes, I do consider it talking. Um, I joke with my friends whenever I'm reading a book, I'll say, oh, so the author and I were talking. So let's say I'm reading uh, Informed, written by Holly, I might say to my friend. So Holly was telling me the other day um, in her book, and then I'll go on and on and on. So in my mind, we are talking and I just happen to have the mic for a little bit. Um, but in true dialogue fashion, I do want to know what you think, and I do want to hear, you know, how it lands with you. So, if you are up to continue the dialogue, I would love. This is me informing. I would love if you um, shared the episode and tagged me in it at Hello Taylor V, and just shared your thoughts on it, and or send me a message um, directly in the mediums. I do accept some messages, and I would love to know. Um, what you think whether that's good bad you know wasn't your thing um i can take almost anything except rude i have ha- i do have a defined throat so i wouldn't recommend you go with rude but honest is definitely definitely desired so love it hope that you will um take me up on that this is a dialogue all righty so kicking off the new year this is like a new season um altogether. And I know if you've listened to a couple episodes ago, Holly talked about um how the business is moving to, you know, working in seasons and the podcast is going to reflect that. And so as I thought about this season of my life, one of the things that um is sticking out for me is just how much I am learning or have learned, I should say, from me. And that's what I really want to bring you in this series that I'm starting. Um, I want you to learn from you. I want to speak to the areas of my chart that have been particularly impactful, that have been particularly initiating for me. As a manifester, not only do we inform and initiate others um, and we impact them, we also get informed and we also are initiated. And so that's why I titled this episode, Using Your Chart to Change Your Life, because I believe that if you will consider yourself your greatest teacher your life your greatest curriculum then the context of your human design chart is a beautiful way to get started all righty so let's talk about it initially when i um came to human design i had i was familiar with my you know myers-briggs Myers Briggs. I'm not sure if you all have heard of that, or Enneagram might be another one. I was familiar with those things, and I had just completed an extensive coaching certif- certification. Wow, and was knee deep in trying to figure out why it was why my business and life didn't seem to be taking off like many of my peers. Um, human design gave me the first glimpse at being a manifester. And, you know, that really explained a lot to me about how I move through the world. Um, But it didn't really, it didn't really um, shift everything, I would say, until I started to layer in some other aspects over the years, as I've kind of explored different aspects of my chart, it's been those pieces that have been particularly initiating that have really um, changed, allowed me to change my trajectory. And that's really what this series that I'm going to share with you about is each episode I intend to highlight a different aspect of my design and um, to really just hopefully allow that to be a, a starting point, a starting point in your conversation with you and your design about, you know, What energy do you have to change your life? Um, Hopefully you'll either (laughs) love the areas that I'm selecting or um, in true manifest, manifest or fashion, you'll find your own areas that are particularly resonant for you. Either way, I'm here for it. Okay, so as I was saying, I started using my human design chart to kind of explain what was wrong with me, for lack of a better word, and that, that'll that come into play um, as I share more about this particular aspect this week. I intend to share about eight um, various aspects with you over the year, but I will say this particular episode not only sets the tone, but it also has a bonus one, so it'll be a total of nine for the year. So finding out I was a manifester, you know, of course, then you learn your profile. These are not the areas I'm going to talk about today, (laughs) Um, but learning that, you know, 70% of my personality is, you know, accounted for in that profile line, like, you know, or how I show up in the world and particularly the sun placement, but really I'm I'm moving and shaking and operating as a one-3 the motivations the the way that I'm processing the world is like a one-3 and what does that mean you know that was that was big for me but it really shifted like I really you know how like you're driving on a road trip and you're driving through the backwoods or whatever and you're not on the highway yet and then you take that turn and you get on the highway and all of a sudden it's like pedal to the metal. Like now we're cruising. That's how I felt when I realized or learned that my son was in gate 17. For me, that was like getting off the back was Okay. Ones act like this. three act like that. You know, manifestors do this manifestors do that. Those were also general. But as soon as we got to the granularity of my son placement, conscious son placement, that, that was a game changer specifically it's circuitry. And I think this is a, um, Area that I wanted to bring to light because most of us look at the gate itself. And that is, you'll see that that is very important to, you know, the way that I learned and some of the things that I've learned, the gems that I've, you know, found over these years. But in particular, it's circuitry. So I'm going to share mine. Like I said, hopefully you'll pull up your little son and you'll tell me what the circuitry is. And we'll have, like, remember the dialogue thing? I'm excited about it. Okay. So I, my son, my conscious son is in gate 17. That's in the Ajna center. My Ajna center is undefined, but gate 17 is referred to as the gate of opinions, um, uh, the following, um, and on the line one expression, it has to do with openness. So I didn't realize that I was so opinionated. Now, if you knew, if anyone that knows me personally, like, outside of business, just family and friends, everyone would agree that I have an opinion about anything I care about, right? But I didn't internalize it as that being an aspect of who I am. I just figured it was something I do. Like, oh yeah, I can just whip out an opinion. It didn't come across to me as like, no, like the way that people interact, the way that they experience me, the way that they would describe my presence, the way that they would describe their relationship with my presence is often predicated on some opinion that I've shared with them or their opinion of me. Like it's this understanding that we have now, interestingly enough, the Gate 17 is in is collective energy and it's on the understanding um, or logic circuitry in an effort to create understanding. But here's how I was using this opinion, uh, this opinion gate. I would use it to, to decide that people didn't understand me. I would use it to um see how I was doing it wrong. I would use it in my, you know, as I was in business kind of cross-checking is my business growing, like their business is growing and then turn it and say, well, this is, you know, it's not working because you didn't do this right, or you're not structured enough, or you, you don't have enough, um, discipline or you weren't patient, or you could have done that differently to really, I've, I turned it in on myself and I didn't, it's part of the reason why I didn't even realize that it was a personality or a presence that I brought to things because for me, it was being responsible. It was cloaked in the idea of being smart. It was, a, it was wrapped up in my identity of being a wise person. I didn't, I didn't see it as energy that I was turning on myself. I just saw it as, well, the right thing to do is this. And obviously you're doing it wrong. Cause you don't have the results you want. Like it felt very matter of fact, but once learning that number one, collective energy is meant to be shared. And not only is it meant to be shared, but we only actually experience collective energy in the presence of other people. So all of that like beat down session I was doing in my journal at night, or you know the, the breakdown of my business that I called you know evaluations, they weren't evaluations. Like that was me taking the hammer to myself and to my business, trying to develop an opinion that I thought would result in the results that I wanted. And the reality is like, that's not the, that's not the highest expression of gate 17, gate 17 in its highest expression. Number one is it happens or it shows up in the presence of the other. So whatever was happening by myself in the recesses of, of my journal, that wasn't, that wasn't the highest expression of my son. Number one, number two my opinions inherent to being collective energy are here to be shared. You know, tribal energy is meant to offer support. Um, Individual circuitry is meant to empower whether you or the other person support. um, Tribal energy is here to support you or the other person um, to meet the needs of people. Collective energy is here to Shared. And the reason why we share it is because in the sharing, we gain understanding. And, and particularly on the logic side, we're able to establish patterns and decide if this is how we want to move forward. We're able to collectively move because of the understanding that we gain. Over time, the individuals are constantly contributing to the collective, and and as the collective evaluates the individual contributions, what we get is understanding, and from a logical perspective, we can come to some conclusions about, well, if this happened, and then it happened again, and then it happened again, well, there's a pattern there, and do we want this pattern to continue? Now, in Gate 17, the highest expression of it, if you follow Gene Keys, is to be farsighted. It's Um, it is about being able to see forward, but it's not like predictive. It's not like, um, you know, particularly like special powers. It's that something has been evaluated over time in such a way that the opinion that's formed around it is sound. And the pattern that the opinion calls out is one that can be seen over time. And so it gives the impression or it creates the experience that we can rely on this happening in the future. We can account for this going forward because we've seen how it's been. And logically, we can come to the conclusion. We understand what brought us here so we can see where we're going. And it is experienced as farsightedness. It is experienced as a will, you know, and a kind of an intuitiveness, if you will. But it's not all that. It's just there's energy. There's collective energy that's designed to share. And when we share, when, when, when I receive and when I share my opinions, what we get is greater understanding and we're able to establish some patterns. So when I realized after learning all of this, that me sitting at home trying to take energy that was meant at scale and trying to turn it around on me, this one individual, number one, it's a very perverted use of that energy. And I don't mean perverted in a, in a sexual sense. I mean like a perverse, a very inappropriate use of that energy to just isolate myself and go to town. It's like, um, it's like offering yourself. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is, this might be regional y'all, but some of us wash our clothes with bleach, right? Like we wash our whites with bleach and there's nothing wrong with using bleach in your whites, right? Like it's supposed to give you brighter whites, but there is like a potency factor. Like you do need to dilute. You don't add equal parts water and equal parts bleach. Like you put bleach on something to eat through clothes, right? The same thing that was meant at its most diluted form, to just brighten the color, to bring clarity, to clean up, also can erode. And that's what was happening for me. I was using my energy in a way that was eroding my self-confidence, that was eroding my ability to move forward, to have self-trust, to learn from my mistakes without it somehow, you know, causing me to crumble, right? So in the playground that I saw this in was my business, but we could see that. And I could look at it through the lens of my relationships. I could look at it through the lens of my health, my ability to manage my weight. Like all of these different areas were being impacted because I was using my energy inappropriately and thinking that because it felt normal, that that's how it's supposed to be. And I think that's one of the beauties of human design is that something can feel normal to you And human design can allow you to question it without condemning you. See, it offers a different perspective on what you're doing or what you're saying or how you're being. It offers a different perspective, but without judgment. It's very objective. It's like, oh, you're a manifester, but you're waiting for an invitation like a projector. What do you think about that? Because, you know, manifestors typically initiate and they inform, right? And so you're able to examine that. Like, is that something I'm good with? Why do I do that? Well, it's always been, you know, I was raised in a house where you waited till you were called on, you know, I was raised in a society where, you know, you don't speak unless you're spoken to So I'm showing up, you know, if it would be normal in my, you know, in my ethos to, sh- to wait for an invitation to operate like a projector. But unfortunately, that's not my design. That's not that is not who I am. That is how I have trained to show up. So my training can create a sense of normality that is not appropriate for me. That is not authentic to me. And I think human design gives you an opportunity to do that, particularly looking at the circuitry in your son. So that's what today's episode, I want to kind of just continue to dive deeper into that for you, but I encourage you like pull out your chart, look at your son and see like is it tribal circuitry? Is it individual circuitry? Is it defense circuitry? Is it um, abstract circuitry? Like, what is the energy that shapes the gate? Not just what is the gate supposed to do or what does the gate reflect, but specifically, what is the what is the mechanic, the mechanism behind the gate? It, it, there's an, a there's a what do we call it? Like an a genetic imperative. There is a there's a reason why there's a gate called 17 and following and opinions and openness. There's a reason why those are the keynotes for that. Not just because, oh, that's what we can describe Taylor as, but because there's a larger objective happening at play. So when you look up your sun gate, don't just look up what the gate is or what it's called. That's that's part of it. But the other part is what, it, what circuitry is it on and what are the objectives of that circuitry? You know, what are the what is the point of that circuitry? If it's tribal, it's going to meet, be meeting a need and facilitating support. If it's individual, it's going to be about empowerment. And there's dualities to all of this. So I'm I'm saying for a collective, if you have it's to be shared. But keep in mind, it's not just sharing the good stuff, it could be sharing the bad stuff too, right? Like it's not just sharing accolades, it's sharing blame as well. So it's not just empowering, but it could be also disempowerment. It's not just support. It could also be like deprivation, right? So we have to look at it as, you know, we have to honor the binary or the duality of all of this um, that's at play, but please pull up your son and um, follow along. Okay. So one of the things I shared with you earlier is that because gate 17 is collective energy, we really don't get to see it at work until we're in the collective, meaning until I'm around the other until I'm engaging the perspective, the energy of other people, we don't really get to see what my gate 17 is like. So what I do at home, the self-analysis or the self-criticism, we could even say, um, or the self-loathing that results in like depression and anxiety, you know, if you're doing that and you don't have, you know, the energy that you're doing it with isn't meant for that, that could be a, a reason why. You know, it could be good to establish some boundaries Within yourself, about how you will use your energy, how you will honor your energy, and its intent—not just—not um, ju- just to the extent that you could think of application, right? So I—I I was thinking about like why was I using my energy that way, right? Because our our gifts come, and you can develop an opinion, you can be opinionated all day long. Like I have that capacity. But when I turn it on myself, and I don't factor in the other, and the and the other is not present, I get, like I said, I get an inappropriate expression of it. I get an inappropriate result, inaccurate result. But I was thinking about like what would make me continue to um, to turn it on myself, thinking that there was some good coming out of it. When if we looked at the pattern over time, it wasn't contributing to my growth and change. Um, and I I thought about some things that I believed. I thought that I needed to be different. So. If I could analyze and and really critique myself, I've always been somebody who has felt different than the other person. I, you wouldn't know by listening to me, but I'm almost six feet tall. And I went to a school where women aren't typically six feet tall. So I always felt like I stood out and that has been a a source of pride in, in, in a lot of aspects of my life. I enjoy being different, but what I realized is underneath it, it was a need to be different. There was some sort of like moral superiority or, or higher value I placed on being different. And so I was using my ability to um, critique and to analyze and to to kind of like see where what was, you know, to, to pick apart, so to speak. Um, I was using that to manufacture difference. So just being different for the sake of being different and not realizing that. That's why things weren't working because I was changing stuff just to change it. Well, they say you should post every week. Well, I'm just going to try posting once every three days. Why? Because, you know, I just, I just don't know. I just got to be different. Just got to try it my way. Never once seeing if trying it their way was useful. And if after trying it or after experimenting with it, it wasn't useful. Being willing to do something different, not trying to be different. But that's not what I believe. I believed I needed to be different, not that I am different, that I needed to somehow manufacture that. And so that was a reason or a motivation for using my opinionated ability that way. Um, I thought I needed to be profound. So not just different, but I needed to be kind of revolutionary. I thought that what I needed to offer was somehow supposed to move people and be impactful and it people were supposed to change um, environments were supposed to change because I was starting a business. I should have, you know, results that are ab- absurdly amazing, right? Like because I offered my opinion, that that should get better responses than somebody else's. You know, like people should stand and really appreciate the gravity of what I'm saying. I should really show that there's a depth and a wisdom. Not realizing, like all of this, this rhetoric, this belief system was. Rooted in my not self, it was rooted in my undefined head and undefined ajna. It was rooted in in the split that said, "I don't have gate forty eight, the gate of depth." So I'm interpreting everything I do as lacking depth. Versus, no, what I bring, what I share with my collective energy will have a range of depth. Some will be very deep. Some will be profound. Some won't. It won't. It, I mean, it'll just be flippant. And there's value in that too. Like the the spectrum is what I brought to the equation, but I didn't see that because I thought I needed to somehow manufacture this profundity and and kind of like woo people in awe and create you know awe in my contribution. The pressure. No wonder I wasn't creating. You know, able to create and experience life in the way that I wanted to. I was. I had so many other objectives that weren't you know, sign clients, they were, okay, sign clients, but be different, sign clients and do it in a profound way with a profound concept or tool. You know, it wasn't just, just, just do it, just try it and see what happens, which would be true of my design. That would be accurate for my design. For me, it was, it was cloaked in this kind of like, you know, misunderstanding for lack of a better word of my conscious son. And the last day I realized that I thought I needed to be right. Some of you will relate because, I grew up um, to growing up in a Christian either family or community or you know I guess if you were raised in America to some degree you you have an, some variation of a relationship with Christian values whether whether you adopt them as your own or not is besides the point but you have some interaction I would say if you um, if you've grown up in America maybe but in that there was this like need to be right there was this like moral. Like I can't be wrong. like I have to get it right. like if I know that there's a chance I can make a mistake, I better not make the mistake. Like if I know I could be wrong, then I then I shouldn't do it because I could be wrong. Like why would I do it if I knew it was that there was a chance that it wasn't right? You know it was like this this obligation to show up, not just show up authentically but to show up accurately to get it right, to make sure I didn't do it wrong. To make sure that I, you know, in, in Christian, we would say like, to make sure I didn't sin against God, to make sure I didn't disappoint or dishonor my family. Like those are the the values that I was trying to live up to so that I could be right. I didn't want to be a wrong person. So the way that that showed up, you know, in real life, so to speak, is that I became someone who was wrong. I used my opinionated, I used my ability to critique and to discern to to analyze myself and decide all the areas that I was wrong so that I could change them. Oh, you're too lazy. Oh, you're not disciplined enough. Oh, you you eat too much. Oh, you you didn't prepare enough. Oh, you're you're you speak too deep. Your copy's too complicated. No one understands you. You didn't sign enough clients. You're not signing clients fast enough. You don't you didn't take good care of your finances. Your credit score isn't high enough. You should have better credit. Like just opinions, like anyone's opinion. Remember, I have an undefined audience, so it's not just my opinion. It's anybody's opinion is a good opinion to you know evaluate myself with to establish some sort of pattern that I've made up on myself. How can you have self-confidence? How can you speak with authority? If, if the very mechanism that was meant to move society forward, you are using it to hold yourself back. That was my experience. So I would figure out the way that I was wrong. I would hire coaches to confirm that they knew too why I was wrong, how I was doing it wrong. Some, some little nuance that I had missed. I would select programs based on my assumptions about what was wrong. Oh, my copy's not great. I need to hire a copy gr- copy program or course or something like that. Now, I want to put a caveat here. If this is not your struggle, then, then don't use my language to criticize yourself, meaning For me, the struggle was misuse of my ability to kind of come to conclusions, to establish patterns, to logically get some understanding about what's happening so that we can make better decisions, so that we can form an opinion, right? So that we can have a perspective. It's about being open enough so that we can get clear about where we stand on it. Not that we're right, but where we stand. So for me, that showed up as looking at my you know, the way that I wrote or the performance of my social media post, and deciding without having been informed, without analysis, without, you know, volleying back and forth or getting feedback, without all of that, it was an ignorant assessment that it was my copy. It was my assumption that it was my copy. And now I need to go find a course to solve for something that I don't even know if that's the actual problem because I'm not actually in it long enough to, to really process anything, right? Because I don't have a lot of self consciousness Who wants to stick around and get beat up, right? So how often do I leave my natural self and operate from in my, in my not self? You might notice that. Like you might not resonate with your son's, your conscious son, not because it's not what you do, but because the way that you use it does not create an internal safety for yourself. You don't have an internal space that feels safe to be you. And so you, you don't often spend a whole lot of time being you. You spend a whole lot of time being busy, trying different things, just to say of trying it, saying stuff, just to say it. You know, being with somebody, just to be with them versus really pausing and saying like, what am I, how am I made to process? So I told you that I invested in a lot of things. And I, I just want to say like, I'm using my business as an example, but again, this transcends, whether it's business, whether it's your family, you could, you could decide that, you know, I could have (laughs) actually, I did do this now that I think about it. When I got pregnant, I used that same um, self-criticism to question my, my abilities as a wife and mother. And so I'd be like, am I doing it right? I would be so afraid that one day I'd, you know, I'd wake up and my husband would decide he didn't want to be with me anymore. Because of something I didn't know I was doing. And so I had become hyper-vigilant about did I do everything I was supposed to do? This was not what he was offering me. This was the state that I was creating within myself for a myriad of reasons, right? I don't want to, I don't want to reduce it down to any one person, place, or anything. For a myriad of reasons, I had gotten to the place where I was totally operating in a version of my conscious son, but I didn't see how it was kind of dimming my light instead of, you know spreading it um on the uh, the other aspect of that because we talk about du- duality is that I also was very sensitive to criticism I felt very defensive off- often it was very difficult for me to hear other people's perspective because if there was any part of me that agreed with them then it meant I was wrong and not only was I wrong but I've been wrong and not only had I been wrong but my analysis is wrong because I didn't catch it early like there's just no way to win Right. So it was very difficult for me to show up and really share authentically because I was always afraid of, there's gotta be something I missed. There's gotta be something that, that I didn't quite get right. Or there's some detail. I can't really be honest with them, or I can't really share with them my opinion or my perspective, because, you know, there's gotta be something I don't know. There's maybe I don't have something to offer because, you know, maybe I hadn't accounted for it, just questioning everything. Um, and so, it made it difficult to have the depth of relationship that I wanted with friends and family, because I was constantly analyzing, okay, this is what I did. Here's what I thought was happening and it didn't work out that way. And so now, you know, now we're struggling. Okay. I see the pattern. It's me. I got to fix it. Just constantly turning that energy back on myself. Okay. So, um, I told you that I invested. I spent a lot of money. My credit score reflected that. My business reflected that. And many of my relationships dwindled because I didn't know how to be in the relationship without feeling so small all of the time and needing to be bigger, not realizing that I was creating that experience within me because of the belief systems that I had, because of the identity that I was willing to hold inside of this atmosphere of needing to be something that I'm not, valuing something that I'm not. So- Once I began to see all of this in exploring my human design and looking at the circuitry and, you know, this wasn't like an overnight thing. This was like over time, really exploring. What does it mean to have collective circuitry? What does it mean? What does gate 17 mean? What does the, what does the Ajna do? What does it mean to have a defined gate in an undefined center? Like As I'm exploring all of this, I realized that I had some different, um, I had some decisions that I could make, like I could, I could pivot my life and change my life in a, in a more profound way than I, that I had realized. I came to human design trying to figure out what was wrong, but in the process of exploring my chart, I figured out that nothing's wrong. That's the problem. The problem is nothing's wrong. That's not what my, you know, there's nothing wrong. I'm not doing it wrong. I'm not a wrong person. I'm not inherently wrong. There can be things that when when I get amongst people, when I think about our collective objective, there can be ways that I'm showing up that may not be as conducive as I would like them to be, but that doesn't make me as a person wrong. You know? So I had to decide, or I had the option, I should say, to decide not to use collective energy on me as an individual. Or not, you know, I could keep doing it that way, but I saw the pattern that I had created, right? Or I could begin to choose to um, recognize my opinions in the context of others as a collective experience that's meant to be shared. And I'm a part of that. I am not the sole reason for that. It doesn't all boil down to me. There's a, a myriad of things that went into this opinion, some of which I contributed, not all of it. And so when I when I want to self-analyze, when I want to be self-reflective, this is not an argument for not being self-aware or not taking self responsibility for yourself, but you can't take responsibility for everyone and have the capacity to take responsibility for yourself. You got to you got to pick. Not pick one as and pick either or, but really see what is the purpose in this moment. You know, in this moment, is this about being responsible for me and my contribution or is this a moment where I really need to show up and be responsible for someone else? You know, those, those things can sometimes feel at odds. I don't think that they're mutually exclusive, but something to consider. I had to decide number two, if I was going to share or not, you know, collective energy is a mechanism that is intended to be shared. We're not just collecting information. We're not just evaluating, gaining understanding and, and, and accumulating logic just to have it. The point is that it would be shared and that it could be used and integrated and, and, and result in growth and change. So for me, knowing that my conscious son, knowing that my presence, my life's work, my brand is built around this, this ability to follow logic and come to, to a conclusion, being able to share that conclusion. I had to consciously, because this is a conscious son, I needed to consciously reckon with, am I going to share? And that's not a one-time decision. That's a, in each and every interaction, I get to be conscious about, am I intentionally, am I consciously sharing my perspective or am I just talking to be talking? Am I just sliding my opinion in there and unclear or unaware of myself in the way that I've come to the conclusions that I've come to? I had to decide if I was going to integrate my contribution or not. Like, do I want to work with what I bring to the table or not? Do I want what I bring to the table to be worked with? Do I want to collaborate with other people? Do I want to allow what I think and what I, you know, the opinions or the perspectives that I share to be integrated into the lives of the other? Remember, if you share, you let somebody else have it. Do you understand how challenging that is for someone who needs to be different, who wants to be recognized, who is feeling insecure about their success and now you want me to share my concepts? You want me to share the ideas or the conclusions that I've come up to or the patterns that I've recognized? You want me to share, let me put it in plain terms, you want me to share my intellectual property and allow people to integrate it into their lives and I'm not going to know about it? I may or may not hear the impact that it has? My insecurity can't handle that. So it makes it incredibly difficult to market if I'm trying to make sure that I keep enough of me out of it so that I don't feel a loss, right? So that I maintain some level of control, but collective energy is meant to be shared. The greatest wisdom that I have, the knowing, the the profoundness that I don't have to manufacture, the depth that I don't have to create or, or, you know, (laughs) try to manufacture, like that kind of depth. That just spills out of me. And it doesn't happen when I'm writing in my own journal. That stuff happens when I'm talking to you, when I'm sharing with you. And I have to be willing to allow that to be integrated into your your experience. And that's incredibly difficult to believe that you are contributing to someone else's abundance when you identify with personal scarcity. It's hard to give when you see lack in yourself. Um, And lastly, the, I'm sure there were other things, but the one I want to highlight now is I just had to decide, um, to evaluate the assumptions that I bring to, to anything, right. Um, I had to decide that, okay, I want to say this clearly because gifts happen, whatever your sun gate is, it doesn't turn off just because, just because you're not trying to use it. it. It's the experience. It's your presence. It's your personality. Like it's not just not happening. Now it can happen in perverse ways or inappropriate ways, but it's it's not just not happening. So there is a part of me that is able to analyze and, and come to conclusions and, and be very perceptive and discerning about what could be improved and how things could get better. And the pattern that's at play, if we continue, there is like, that is what I'm able to do. And that doesn't turn off just because I'm looking at my own, you know, financial books that doesn't turn off just because I'm reading my own copy. I can still pick out patterns. I can still see things. The difference is, am I going to take that opinion and decide to define myself by it? Or Do I add it? Do I share it or allow it to be shared along with the evaluations or the insights that others bring? Do I consider my analysis just as valuable as any other expert that I would have paid, right? Like it's not, the goal isn't for me to never have a perspective on myself. The goal isn't for me to turn, try to not have an opinion about myself. The goal is to recognize that I am a person who who functions this way, and be intentional and conscious about how I uh, allow it to interact with the sacred part of myself. So I've talked about kind of all of the ideas and the things, kind of the the thought work, I guess, the, the working mental process of this, but um, I want you to know that that didn't, this, again, it did not change overnight. I said that earlier, but I, I just kind of want to land this plane with sharing with you kind of the process that I've picked out over time and that I've noticed in others. um, And just kind of share my perspective on that. Again, these are nuanced. You may find that you're somewhere in between all of these, you may have, you know, other caveats. I just want to share my opinion on the process of using your chart to create change. So first you'll want to acknowledge the atmosphere. So for me that looked like the experience that I'm having the the business that I have the the results that I've created for my you know with my clients the marriage that I have the family that I have the home the finances whatever there's a lot of things that went into that some of which was my own logic some of that was societal conditioning. Some of that is the economy that I'm in. Some of that is my body's physiology. Some of that, like being willing to acknowledge what kind of stuff was going on that made it conducive for me to have this experience. So many of us want you know, abundance, or we want to make a lot of money, or we want to have a bunch of clients, but we're not really willing to get honest about the atmosphere that that thing would have to live within. And not every atmosphere is conducive for every outcome. So if you're telling me that you want clients, but you're in an atmosphere, you've created an experience for yourself that includes an atmosphere where you're not allowed to make money and you're not allowed to market and everything you say is wrong and women should be quiet. And like, you have all of this conditioning around, then it's gonna be really challenging for you to create a result or an experience for yourself to manifest or receive, however you wanna call all that. It's gonna be challenging for you to not only receive it, but maintain it in an atmosphere that's not supportive of the outcome that you want. So in reverse, when we're creating change, when we're acknowledging like, wait, I want to do something different. I want a different experience. I don't want to keep using my opinions against me. I want to use them for us. For that to happen, I had to first get honest and be willing to be aware of the atmosphere that would make it possible for me to attempt to use something that was meant to be shared at scale, to turn it completely in on myself and think that that's appropriate. There was something happening at play. Now we could go into epigenetics, I'm a black woman. We could go into just being identifying as a woman. You know, to many I am overweight. We could go into that like all think about all of the narratives that come with all of these roles, right? Growing up in America, American culture, southern culture. Right? All of this need to be neat, the need to be quiet. Women are prim and proper. Women should take it like, think just all of the little things that happen in our atmosphere that create an environment where, of course, of course I critique myself. Of course, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I make sure that I'm in integrity and and beat myself up before I tell anybody else what to do? Grow up in Christian culture. Of course, of course I'm finding all the sin in me, right? So the atmosphere was critical. I highly encourage, if you don't do anything else, I suggest just be willing to, to, to acknowledge some things in your atmosphere. Some of us are taking like radical self-responsibility to a radical level. Chill out, Cheerio. You're great. You're big, you're powerful. And there are some other things and people that are powerful too. Okay, so the next thing, once I was willing to you know, acknowledge that it can't all be me, right? Like there's something I'm interacting with that's making this, you know, making it okay for me to essentially not thrive. Right. Um, then I do to really acknowledge the reality of that atmosphere. Meaning I can argue all day that like, um, you know, women don't experience equal pay in, in, um, in the corporate world in America, right? Like that's in my atmosphere. That's not something I alone did. That's something that's happening. That's something that as I build my business, that's something that as I think about getting a job or whatever I'm doing, that that's that's floating in the ethers, if you will, right? And so because of that, there is a reality that I exist in given that atmosphere. What is the reality that that might mean that hmm, I might feel the pressure to outperform my peers? As a black woman, I might feel like I don't have the right to express the full spectrum of my emotions. As a mom, I might feel like it's wrong for me to work late nights and and be, you know, carrying two jobs when I should be at home making dinner, like whatever the thing, like atmospherically we, we think about things at scale, but when we get to this next level in the process, you start seeing how, and really acknowledging the reality that it creates for you. The reality is if I live in a world where I fear for my safety, then realistically, I'm probably not just going to run outside and do X, Y, and Z. Like we see that we saw that in, um, as, as, um, in America, we saw that over the last few years, that people who go outside and they fear for their lives when they encounter law enforcement, the reality quality, how small their existence becomes, how few options they tend to have as a result of an atmosphere that exists for them. But that's that's at a national scale. Let's talk about your world. If you have a a mother or a father that didn't show up in a way that you needed them in your atmosphere, then the reality is you might question yourself as a mom. It might be challenging for you to show up every day and feel confident. It's not an excuse. It's like accounting. It's it's taking, it's it's look at checking the receipts. Like what card was this paid for with? Um, and then it was really needing to own the disappointment with that. Like the reality is is that when I started my business, I had expectations of myself that were inappropriate. It was crazy for me to think that I should have six-figure months in the first six months. Someone sold that to me and I believed it. And I'm, you know, it was in my atmosphere that that happens for people and, and it should happen to me too and all of that. But the reality is when it didn't happen, I was profoundly disappointed. That was my reality, that I was operating a business from a place of disappointment. Next, after that, after you're willing to acknowledge some of these beliefs and things that you have, um, you, you can be honest and, and begin to see the identity that you're operating in. So this is not about changing anything. This is about accepting that because of what was available to you, the atmosphere that you were in and the reality that that ultimately could create it for you, that this was the role you took up. So let's go back to my example of business. Because I was in a community that said anyone and everyone should be able to start a coaching business and make six figures month after month in their first six months, totally possible. If you're not doing it, it's because you're not getting it. You know, you're not coaching yourself hard enough. Then the reality is that I live in a perpetual state of disappointment. Every time I struggle to sign a client, just one client. The reality is that with all the other things in my atmosphere, I'm afraid to charge the kind of money that would make that possible. I'm afraid to have 10 K months because Who's who? I don't deserve that in my atmosphere. You know, that doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So then the identity that I take on is a flawed business owner. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. I'm a person who can't get it together. I'm not really an entrepreneur. I'm a baby coach. Well, I'm just learning the identity that I was willing to, I'm I'm someone whose launches failed or whose copy doesn't land for people or it doesn't convert. We start identifying with that. It isn't just what happened. Now it's who I am. And then we start making decisions on that. But when it comes to the process of change and using your chart to change your life, the next point is you have to be willing to decide again. See, up until now, we've just becoming aware, we've been acknowledging and we've been accepting, and that's all beautiful. But if you want to pivot, if you want to change your life, you have to be willing to decide again. But here's the, key, here's the caveat to that or the, the nuance to that. You decide with your current choices, not just the options you were given before. So it's not just, oh, I should charge a lot of money or not, right? Those are the options that were presented to me prior. But if I want to change my life, if I want to move in a different direction and operate in a different way, then I have to see different choices. I actually get to charge whatever I want for anything that I want doesn't mean someone has to pay me, but I have sovereignty on the prices that I set for the services that I provide. And if, as long as I'm willing to experience the results of having set that price and seeing, you know, and being willing to walk that out, there's nothing wrong. I'm not manipulating anyone into paying it, but I didn't see that as a choice for myself because in my old paradigm pre-chart, I believed I had to, and I was using my criticism, my ability to formulate an an analysis and to establish a pattern and say, see, you only ever charge $200 and that's all you can charge. And and you're probably not gonna be able to raise your prices that much. But no, we're deciding again. We're deciding again. Those were the options that were available to me given the atmosphere that I was in and the reality that I was functioning in and the, the identity that I was assuming. But now I see I have choices, not just options. I have choices I get to make. And there's a lot more than I thought there were. And then lastly, once you see your choices and you begin to make new choices, then you create a different experience for yourself through execution. I just want to say that we're landing the plane with action. So many of us want to change and we want the action to be the first thing that we do. But really the action comes through careful analysis over time. It comes through the awareness that builds over time. It comes from collecting the data. See, these are not just, it's not just true for me because I have gate 17 in my conscious son. All of these themes, all of these gates are archetypes. They are archetypes for the collective. Even if it's tribal circuitry, it's an archetype that's at play. There is a value, there is a, there is a imperative that says we collect data to gain understanding, to establish the logic and, and to see the patterns at play. That's, a, that's something everyone benefits from, not just me. I Because it's my consciousness, I have a personal relationship with that skill. But that doesn't mean everyone, anyone else doesn't do it or can't do it. So up until now, I would encourage you to question how much action you actually need to do. And at this last one, when we're talking about the new experience that you want to have, given the choices that are available to you, now we execute. Now we get to engage you, not who you think you should be, not who, how you think you should choose, not based on the options someone else gave you. No, now you get to choose. You see your chart. You see the different ways that that energy can be expressed. Now we get to see how do you want to move. Knowing that you don't have to try to be opinionated. You just are opinionated. You don't have to try to to be someone who materializes things or, or is gracious. You don't have to manufacture that. That's just how you are. How would you execute if you weren't trying to do that? You just were that. What different actions would you take if that's just who you were? You just operated from your authenticity. This is how you change your life. You don't change your life by saying, "What's the next decision that's going to move me to being more authentic?" No. You you evaluate. You see where is my where do I have access to my authenticity today? And when I can step into that, when I can create safety in that, when I can when I can hold that, all of a sudden it gets. I got different choices. Like I can see a different way of being. I can I can move and operate from a different place. You create different results, and you do the process again. You have to in doing this though when you stop when I stopped trying to um when I just when I when I started just showing up as the opinionated person that I am the person who speaks about what she really has considered when I when I show up as a person who can see the pattern and can call it out and really owns that that it's not about being right it's just what I know for sure for now when I show up that way versus looking for opportunities to develop an opinion, looking for the person who's willing to like, let me question or volley my opinion back and forth. When I stop looking for my chance to to share my truth and instead just show up as someone who is self-embodied with their truth, that's where the peace was. But it did require one other thing. And that was to trust that whatever happens when I am myself, is something I was made to deal with. How do I know? Because I'm here. If it weren't possible, it wouldn't be available. My energy wouldn't even have anything to do with it. I wouldn't even be aware of it if it wasn't something that I had the capacity in my design to navigate. One of the reasons um, why I want to do this series with you all is because I believe that you are your greatest teacher. And life for the, for the most part, right? (laughs) Maybe we should reduce everything to this, but for the most part, the way I stand with it for now is that our life is about being willing to be the teacher. It's about being willing to take responsibility for learning, for our own learning. And obviously I'm a one, three, right? Y'all can hear all of this learning and investigation, right? Um, so you'll have your own expression of that, but I think a lot of us come into experiences just deciding that we aren't the ones that we need to follow someone else, that what, what somebody else assesses of us is somehow more valid than our own self assessment. That because we can't always see ourselves completely, that somehow that disqualifies us from being someone we can learn from. And that's just not the case, but the place, the the context, the school, if you will, that, that, I learned that in, because remember, you're the teacher, your life is the curriculum, but what school does that happen in? For me, the initial place that that happened was the Manifesto Mastery Program. And the reason why is because, if I'm honest, I don't think it focuses on human design. It focuses on you and it gives you as much human design language as possible to be able to see and share whatever is available to you, whatever you're here to learn, whatever life is offering you right now wherever you're at in the curriculum of your life it gives you as much human design language as possible to be able to understand what's going on yes it uses human design you will have a you will have a better understanding and a mastery of of the of the system of human design but more than that you will have an authority in your own experience which is really the only authority that any of us can really have if you've been on the fence i am using this episode to call you in. The key shifts that you are wanting to make over the next year, over the next season, right now, are in the mastery of your own experience. It's not just a general understanding of how to apply HD. It's a masterful understanding of what this looks like for you. And I think a great place to start by my experience, is the Manifesto Mastery program. I hope that you'll use the link um, in the show notes to sign up. I have enjoyed being with you and I hope that everyone really enjoys the series this year. Um, it's going to be fun. Talk soon. <laughs>
0: Before you go and switch off, we would be so humbly grateful if you could take the time to either leave a podcast review right on the platform that you're listening to,